It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Hello, producer, Dr. Ashley Claytor. Well, I am glad to be here today. This is just one of the most wonderful points of my week. I absolutely love this Thursday show. You can see we're still celebrating, you know, we're still celebrating five years. We have been a family, and we've been on this journey, strictly organic, culture and modified Christianity for apostolic Christians for, oh, five long years. You know, five years is amazing. I, you know, and, and I found out that, it, you know, the fact that we've been doing this five years and I'm still holding your attention for a two-hour show is the grace of God. And I, I always want to thank you for it. I also want to thank you for all of your support. You have no ideas. You guys are why I'm strong. I have the strength of Christ. I have the strength that God has given me, but there is that strength of those that you that reverberates back to you. And I tell you, sometimes I feel your strength so strongly, I feel like, oh, wow, we can take this planet. I do feel that. Um, and so I always thank you for it. I listen for your comments. I look forward to your, your postings and all of that, playing with some of you, obviously asking God to do phenomenal things. So I am grateful. We're just coming back from D.C. and Maryland. We had a great time in D.C. Got a chance to meet people. We're there to hear the vice president shock everybody by popping in and speaking. <laughs> he just popped in and popped out. Gracious man, real Christian if you're looking for one. Um, uh, and so that was really, that was wonderful. That was exciting. Wasn't it, Prophet? Yes. And then we had a phenomenal time in Maryland when we went to uh, UAD with uh, Prophet Lisa Thompson. They treated us, hosted us royally. Everywhere we went, man, the abundance of food, and I love seafood, had the abundance of food, <laughs> took us to this amazing seafood restaurant there and in their neck of the woods. I loved it. And, uh, and I just want to thank them for loving on us and treating us with such honor and such respect. I, I hope some of you got an opportunity to see the broadcast because, of course, you know, you know, when you're called to the outer court saints, you know, sometimes the inner court saints are too good to hear what you got to say, and some of them are just too full of what they've been hearing. So, but God dealt with a lot of issues there, and, and it was wonderful. It was a great audience. We had a, a, a pretty good showing, as unexpected as it was. I'm sure that it will be different when I go back again, you know, because they have to take us back to that um, seafood place. 
Yes, you know, they, they, the Blue Dolphin wrote me and asked me to tell them how I enjoyed myself. Yeah. I thought I'd let them know. That was really great. And that Hyatt there in D.C., goodness, it was a really good time. And it was a time much needed. It gave us a lot of opportunity for reflection. We made some good contacts and great connections. Um, so it, it, I'm looking forward to us, whatever God built for me. Why don't I say that? Yeah. I can say that. And I, I want to thank all of you all that helped us. So many of you supported us. So many of you just sold into it. And while we're talking sewing, I got, can I thank you again? And you, I, I know I say it a lot, but I am truly grateful. When you've been out here, as long as I've been out here, and had so many people not get your vision over a 30-year period of time, when you meet people who get it and who, not, who, who get it with more than their mouths or their hearts, but they also get it with their finances, I'm telling you, you, are, you, you just fall in love with those people. And I do. I thank God for you. I mean, we make it every month. We make it. And all of the extras because of you. Because of you. You also. You, the television program, Taking It On. Oh, Ashley has news about Taking It On. Don't you, Ashley? Just a little bit of news. Okay. Yes. We're we going to get her a band one day. I'm telling you. A band, a pan, something. A tambourine. We don't know. Maybe, no, uh-uh, we cannot get her a chance, no, no. No, no. No, no. I won't uh -uh. do a tambourine. I won't let you go that far. No, no, that's a lot of mm -mm. uh, So we have our team who is dedicated to getting this out there. Um, and so Dr. Price will now be on iHeartRadio. Yes, taking it on. Hallelujah. And I'm excited about it because... You know, I, wanted, I want all, all media. So we have a young lady here in our organization who is committed to getting me in every form of media. And I mean, she is not just talking. She is pushing and doing a phenomenal young woman. And so I just thank God for her all the time. And I'm not telling you her name because you all be trying to get her from me before she finishes. So, no, you're not going to know her name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. And so she has been pushing and pushing. She's, she's, reaching, she's reaching out to every Christian uh, television network, every television network actually around the world for taking it on with Paula Price. Because sometimes you can't, you may not have the cash in hand, but your, your talents, your gifts and your talents can be the job. And I'm telling you, this lady, she's daily on this. And, and so weekly I'm getting surprises. I'm loving this, you know. And she's warming me up. I'm getting encouraged. But I want to say to you, if you all feel like you, you want to be a part of that, you have friends, you have contacts. You may say, Dr. Price, if I could, I'd give you $1,000 a day. I'd give you $10,000 tomorrow. But you know what? Using your leverage is also effective, and it has value. It's profitable to me. So some of you will have that. You have friends who, are, who have shows and radio broadcasts and things like that. Hey, make a connection with them and have them call here and, and just, you know, call 877-419-1299 and say, I want to leave this message for Prophet Ashley. Now, she's not going to talk to you because she's got a lot of calls. Because some of you all, you want to parlay that into a prayer prophecy kind of thing. Because we know the saints. We love the saints. But we know the saints. And so... But you can call and say, Prophet Ashley, I have a contact for you for Dr. Price's show. Prophet Ashley, I have this, I have that. Some of you can do it. Some of you are working for people right now, and you're saying, boy, I if this is a good 
station or this is a good company or this is a good network or broadcaster. If I knew somebody, I would connect them. Well, here, you know me, you know them. Why don't you do what you know to do, which is to connect? It would be great. I am committed to this thing being daily and global, and I can do it with you because as my family, for the last five years, you all have taken me from, from well, who, what, to Paula Price, to the Paula Price show every Thursday, to taking it on with Paula Price. And it's you and us together. Many times you say, God, I really wish I could do this. I wish I could be her. I wish I could do what she does. Well, if that's not your grace, if that's not what God called you, or if this isn't the, your time yet, how, how about letting me go ahead? Letting me go ahead, go ahead of you. We have some, some great ideas, something, this is leading me to something else, Dr. Ashley. Wonderful. We, we have a great surprise for you in June, and you don't want to miss it because we are kicking off with a, what, for the first time, Taking it on is going to view our registrants as a live audience. Yeah. I'm so excited, I don't know what to do. Whole live audience, which means you get to catch me in a different vein. So we're broadcasting a, a, an episode and we're having. We're, we're recording. Uh, we're recording. Uh, we're yeah, she's going to help. She's got to fix it for me. It'll be broadcasting. Right, for it to be live, yeah, so. and that's not going to be live. Uh, right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the registrants and some other social locals and more shows up. Yep. Yes, and you get a chance to see what you've been sewing into and to sew as a permanent member. You have a lot of opportunities with this. And understand, you know, you can't go to the next level until somebody at that level comes back to get you. And so this is for all of us, all of us to make it. You all have fought this, prayed for me. I can tell you that I have been in warfare battles, actually, in the middle of the night and felt the prayers. I can tell you that I've had difficult times and you all would send me prayers and love notes and encouragements and, and words of wisdom and all of that. This, that's why I know this is more than a broadcast. This is, to me, this is so much more than a broadcast and it's so much more than a show for me. I, I hope it is for you. It seems to be because you, don't, you all don't drop me. You don't let me down. You don't. You just... We, what we can do, we do. And what I can reciprocate, you know I do. I send back your prayer answers and all of those kinds of things. And so I'm telling you, you don't want to miss June. And can you imagine the first one being for the prophets just like that? And just like the prophets are going to push their way into everything. <laughs> just like the prophets of the kingdom. And you're going to love this one anyway because this event, is, is this year's Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, is tackling what's happening in the world that you don't know. We have some information for you that's going to stun you, but you need this information for you to get ready for God's future. And see, that's what we need to know. This is the prophetic and present tense, equipping you, readying you for God's future. Most trainings ready you for your future. But see, you don't have a future without God. You need God's issues to have a prophetic future. If God has no issues, you have no office, you have no prophecy, you have nothing. But when, because God has issues, the invisible and audible God has issues that he must address in this century with this generation, you have a calling. You have an office. You have a message. You have a word. You have a ministry. You have a duty and some responsibility. You have a privilege and an opportunity to be a part of what God does. There, we are so 
the signs in the heavens, the signs in the earth, the signs of which humanity, we are so being primed for this massive shift. You don't want to miss it. You can say, yeah, I, you know, um, I, I, I kind of heard this and this and that, but, you know, we have, we have gone through our process here, have put together and are putting together a major presentation where you will find yourself, the, the prophetic in present tense. That is what you're going to, to, to encounter. And you're not just going to observe it. You will not just listen. You will not even stop at encountering it. You will engage in the prophetic in present tense. Literally, readying yourself for God's future. Because that's the whole essence of the prophetic, God's future. Your present is to equip you for God's future. That is why he can say the former things and no more, because that future has become its past. And another future is rising to take its place. And that's what you're doing. That's what God is calling you to do. And if you don't know God's future, you can't know yours. So you're always preparing for the past. You're always working in the has-been realm of God, in the used to been, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But that is not what this year's event is for. June. 2018, the 21st to the 23rd, it is for God's future, the prophetic and present tense, God's future. I keep saying this, actually, I can't get off of that, because he said, I'm tired of my prophets being ill-equipped for, for, Ill for my future. Even if you get the word, that doesn't mean you have the message. Even if you get the message, it doesn't mean you have the method. Even if you get the message and the method, it doesn't mean you have the manifestation. It doesn't mean you have the mantleship. It doesn't mean that you have the ministry. It doesn't even mean you have the mindset. You have got to be ready for God's future. You know, I, I, when I taught my, um, one, my AIT module, I, I made a statement that really rocked my my. Trainees, I'm not sure they got it. I'm not sure that they really got it. But in, by the time we get to 2019, everybody's going to have it. And I said to them, when you work for the store, when you work for the community, you have a community service. And you work for the community or you work for the citizens. But when you work for the highest power, the sovereignty, you have no ministry. So you'll know how high a profit you're called to be by how much you need to cling on to your ministry. You know, that was good. Yeah, I think I got some strength to hit something. Yeah, I know. You guys were like, what? See, when you, when you get ready to work for the sovereignty of your land, you have to burn your oxen. You have to slaughter your ministry and go and do what the government, or in our case, the king needs. And the reason you haven't seen great things in the prophetic, we haven't seen a prophet on the order of a Moses or a Daniel, a Samuel. We haven't seen that. We have not seen any of those, not even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We haven't seen prophets on those orders. We've not seen an Ezekiel. We have not seen an Isaiah. We've not seen anybody like that in the prophetic. What we have seen is yak yak and yak yak. Okay? See and say and see and say. And I, I mean, I'm not, uh, uh, trust me, this, I'm not excluding myself. I'm saying as long as you're holding on to yours, you're not handling God's issues. Because you, if it's your ministry, you pick and choose the issues. You decide the issues that's going to be addressed. You decide what you will say and what you won't say, who you will speak to and who you won't, who you'll offend and who you'll contend. You decide that. 
and that means you're still too caught in yours. You want God to elevate you, and there's no other place to elevate you in his kingdom but in his royal service, and you have got to want to be in his royal service, and kings don't commit. They don't com- compete. God's not going to rival with you. He's just going to give you his little, his little menial tasks, and he's going to go on. But what he needs done, the thing that's going to shape the world and, and, and take the future for him, that's why prophets exist. Prophets exist to take the future for the Almighty. That's why you exist. That's why you get advanced knowledge, you get advanced training, you know, you get all of that ahead of time, you know, to, to be out in front of the future, not be dragged around by it or responding to it. We saw that with this last election. You knew how many prophets were not in it for Jesus Christ because they didn't know what he wants. And when you're in it for the king, you don't always like what he wants. God told uh, Elijah, go back and anoint the king that was going to destroy his people. Elijah was like, I'm crying as I do this, but this is my royal assignment, my sovereign assignment from the Almighty. The God of Israel said that I've got to put Elijah in my stead because I'm getting ready to get up out of here. I'm going to have to go and, and anoint this king to do this horrible thing. And he said, when he went to anoint the God, he said, well, why are you so sad? This is a good thing. I'm going to be king. He said, I'm crying because of what you're going to do to the Lord's people, Israel. See, half of you all can't do good prophetics you don't know God's Bible. You don't know God's history. You don't know his patterns. And all of that is what you get when you decide to lay down your sheep and oxen and pick up his rod and his staff. That's a tough call, guys, and a lot of people can't do it. And you can tell that you did it because all of the masses and all of the popular folk in this field can't relate to you, can't understand you. You, you. you feel like you're an odd person out. I'm oddball. Yeah, I've been odd for 30 years. Well, actually, I've probably been odd all my life, which is probably what quali- qualified me for this oddity. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'd already proven myself on the, in that why. But you have got to get ready for God's future. That is what we're doing in June. You know, you have got to lay it down. John the Baptist said, I must decrease because he must increase. And John said it, prophesied it as a prophet, and refused to believe it applied to him. He said it in a moment where truth was raining on him. He was in the light of the presence of the Almighty and and the, the, the high call to to recognize and identify the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the Messiah. He was all excited, but that he didn't realize what that duty meant. You realize John didn't have to die if he hadn't taught his people to fight the disciples of Jesus Christ. But here they are fighting over what territorial battles. So John had the revelation, but then he lost the revelation when he realized that he would have to surrender all that he had done and all that he had achieved for the coming of the Messiah to the Messiah. Oh, uh, I I got to drink some water or something here because you know what? This thing is amazing. You can say, yeah, that devil took John the Baptist. No, no, no. John the Baptist did not teach his disciples that he must decrease. His disciples didn't get that message. John says, I must decrease because he must increase. 
But his disciples didn't get that message. And then if they did, they wouldn't have yielded. Don't tell me we followed you all this year, and you're going to tell me, well, I don't believe in him. Well, I really don't think he's Messiah. I don't believe. And he had all of that kind of in, internal wrestles and internal tor- turmoil because when to get a prophecy and to live a prophecy are two different experiences. To receive a prophecy, yay, the Lord is talking to hallelujah, God is speaking, oh, bless the Lord, whatever you want, shut up, okay, you're all excited, and then the day of that prophecy's life cycle falls upon you, and when you get into the life that that prophecy has created, because in the beginning it inseminated, but as you go forward and it's time to appear comes, that prophecy takes on and creates a life, an entire life, and it has a life cycle. And that life sucks everybody up into the word of the Lord. John didn't like that. John was not about to bow to the man he said and baptized as the Messiah. Can you imagine how intimidated he was? Can you imagine how inferior he felt and how defensive he became? Oh, some of you all did that. Some of you pastors did that. Those young prophets were coming up in your church and you sat up there and preached them out and said all manner of wickedness to them in veiled terms, pretending to be sermonizing as if they couldn't see or know that you were singling them out because you allowed your intimidation and your inferiorities to show and you abuse your position because of it, and then went behind the doors and told all your leaders that, yeah, well, you know, that might be, but, you know, we don't do that here. We don't have that here. So you sent that little lonely little sheep out the door because that budding prophet ceased to be a sheep to you. You see, the only thing that that we wanted to, to promote in this last several decades the only budding ministry you wanted was the evangelist or pastor. And many of you all didn't even want the pastors. You sent them out. As soon as God's call began to uh, um, cover people and, and arouse people, you can't shepherd them any longer. That's when you know that you are a baby pastor. Understand, elementary school has envy issues. High school has envy issues, mean boy, mean jock, mean girl issues. College, same thing. When your when your capacity to shepherd your sheep stops at their calling, and they cease to be a sheep, and you then turn on them as an adversary, you have revealed yourself to be a very unfit pastor, very immature, because you wouldn't do it to your natural children. Your natural children start showing talent. The first thing you want to do is find somebody to mention them. Your natural student start playing the piano. Oh, my goodness, I have to get you lessons. Oh, wait a minute. Come on here. I want you to hear my son. He did this all by himself, all wrong and everything, but we got to suffer through it because that's your kid, and you don't want to discourage them, and you don't want to break their spirit, and you don't want them to fail, and you don't want them to not fulfill purpose and destiny. Yet when it comes to your spiritual sons and daughters, they, you treat them like you're in a boxing ring. It becomes a, 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 a fight match. 
and you begin to, to uh, literally preach, preach about them, preach against them from the pulpit. You tell your leaders to treat them differently. They begin to be alienated. Anybody who's anybody can see that they are not standing, that you're not approving of them, and your disapproval reeks throughout everything until they are squeezed out of your ministry. And why did I say it? this shows you to be a very immature pastor, a baby pastor? Because you did not know what to do with the asset that was being entrusted to you. You did not know what to do with what was being replicated. But you yourself had replicated and brought into existence. And instead, you turned on it like an enemy. And then you wonder why the prophets are out there wandering the road, trying to figure out which way is up. Who are they supposed to do? Are you kidding? Mm-mm. They start showing up in me. First of all, if I, I got to wait for them to show up to find out, but then I'm not, you know, I really am the apostle, so there you go. But if I have to wait for that, I'm sleeping on the job. Because I'm telling you, I tell my people when they walk in the door, this is what you're going to do. This is who you are. It's going to take you three years. It's going to take you 10 years. You won't be ready for 12 years. But I want you to know this is who you're going to be in this church. They sit in my seat knowing who they are, what they're called to do. They know. I do not leave them wondering why they're coming to church every week. Why am I taking these classes? Why am I doing this and that? And I, uh-uh. We are called. We are massive division. We are called. We need massive numbers of people. And I need as many as I can get. And I don't need you coming in insecure. The one thing I've told my people, you cannot serve in my organization insecure. So I'm going to build your strength. I'm going to build your confidence. You cut up. I'm going to face off with you. And I'm good at it. But I still am not going to break you because that's part of making you strong. If you want your people to be strong enough to defend your word, you need to stop cowarding them. You need to stop intimidating them. You need to stop bullying them. That's what needs to happen if you want your people to be strong enough to take, care, take on what you face. Because you, want, you cannot coward your prophets, your apostles, your fivefolders. I mean, if you're blessed enough for God to trust you with an entire five-fold institution and it's well-nourished and well-developed and a well-oiled machine, you are really highly favored of God. But I never do. I don't want my people afraid to tell me what they see, don't see. If it's wrong, I've already taught them how to deal with their little thin skins and carrying on. You just need to toughen up a little bit. But I need to hear from you. I create enough opportunities and avenues for them to to get together with each other, for them to practice at home. I create practice environments because that way they can fail at home where they're loved so they can succeed in the world where they're hated. Are you all following me? Are we, are we clicking on this? Is this speaking to you? Because, you see, you have to know how to pick a leader. You have to know what kind of leader is for you and whether or not that leader can get you where you're going. They'll all say they can get you there, but they can't if they don't know the elements of what getting, making a person ready for God really are involved. They can't do it. They love you. Nobody says they don't love you, but love has not been an education tool yet. You know, teachers educate kids to hate them every day. I'm sure some of those teachers have a little few issues too. Bless their heart. Hallelujah. But you have got to want disciples, your seeds, your descendants, your sons and daughters to be strong and powerful. And not just because they're rich, not just because they have money. Okay, so if you have money, then I'm going to give you extra classes. Are you kidding? I'm going to give you the same class because I'm already top choice. 
So I'm not going to sit there and say, well, because you give me all this money, I'm going to give you something that I won't give everybody else. No, I'm going to give you something I won't give anybody else if you're good, if you prove yourself to be exceptional. Otherwise, you can stand this stuff, and my standard stuff is pretty good. You know, nobody walks out of here thinking, oh, my, but she liked her better than me. And if you say it, God, don't ever let me hear it. Please don't ever say that, and don't ever let me hear it. Because I don't, one thing I detest is favoritism and leadership. I, I don't like leadership bias. I just don't. I, I don't like it because I know that it's going to shortchange God. It's going to cheapen what he does, and it's going to shortchange him so that his best will be overlooked because they don't meet that standard. They won't be treated right. They won't be educated thoroughly. They won't even be corrected properly because the, the well-to-do. Stop that. Oh, God bless you. Stop it. But see, if, if, you, if you're taking somebody strictly on the basis of favoritism, you're not going to let their best be. You are not even going to press them for the best. You're going to continually just indulge them because you want to keep that flow going. And, you know, maybe because I've always had the hard side of the mountain, I don't know. But I decided that I, what my name is going to be on, what my handprints are going to be on, they're going to be equally good. Now, there are stages of good, you know, entry-level good, master-level good. But we're gonna have we all gonna be in that good that good spectrum, and so you you're gonna have to stop doing that. Just because you somebody has a tantrum, you're gonna have to know how to deal with that. But God has a future, and His future is bowing down on us, and it is not slowing down. It is getting more and more complicated and more intensified than it has ever been. And so you can be slack in your training, you can be slack in your learning, but ultimately the future is going to land on you instead of being navigated and negotiated by you. That's what we want to share with you in June when you come. I want you to be better. And I don't want you to be better because of my thing. You know, you've been so, you know, that's the one thing about a pastoral anointing because that pastoral ministry is always about scattering and dividing. The, this local congregation and that local congregation and this local so-and-so. But see, the aesthetic is an institution. It's a single institution. Many branches, but a single institution. Because whether you have a church or a ministry or a following, or whether you're just someone that God uses as a messenger, you still have the rules of the institution to go by. And that is how uniformity will come. We have not seen the prophetic institution. We've not seen the prophet's institution. We don't know in mass what it looks like because you have prophets being trained by pastors and evangelists. You have prophets being trained by local church leaders. You have prophets being trained by themselves and their prayer closets. And so you don't, and none of that is plugging into this institution that goes all the way back to Abel. This thing is we enter into we enter into something as prophets. We enter into something as pastors, as apostles. You grow up under a pastor. You come up under a pastor. That's very different. So that institution is defined by that leader. But if the prophetic is going to work, it's got to go by the institution that has structured it from eternity. We have angelic counterparts to our prophet's office who have to keep this thing. And they're going to keep it because they obey God. You know, I know we like to say, yeah, well, you know, I just tell my angels this and that. Your angel is going to listen to God. I'm going to tell you right now, your angel is going to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust me, I know, been there, done that, heard it, seen it in action. 
it's kind of like you can command your angel. It's kind of like you go on a, on, on a, a, a trip and you take your ministry team and then the person, um, <clears throat> the person who is in charge of hosting you and you want to tell their people what to do, the first thing, if they're good followers, the first thing they're going to do is stop and say, I need to clear it with my leader, or they're going to wait for the leader to give them permission to do what you want. That's how God's angels are, and that's a well-trained group. That's very well-trained. Because if your people listen to everybody, if your leaders listen to everybody, they're not listening to you. Isn't that good to know? So I want you to make sure you go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, hallelujah, and say, I'm coming. But Bryce, I'm, I'll be there so I can get myself ready for God's future. God has a future. And if you read the book of Isaiah, I think it's probably one of the best guides for that. And God, with God, Isaiah is used to tell, for God to tell him what his issues are. It opens up with what his issues are. I know we tell other stuff, but what his issues are, who his issues are concerning, it opens up to do that. And then it moves into what his reactions are to those issues, how he feels, how it offended him, how it, how it injured him, injured his law, injured his, his uh, calling. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we move into the fact that he's wrapping this up. And he's identifying the closeout agents, and he's also identifying the transition team, and then he's also identifying the launch team, and then he's identifying the maintenance team. And so when you go through Isaiah, it's an amazing book for prophetic education if you are a prophet that trains people in the word of God because some of you all think it's useless. You've heard, you bought into the church's ideas as being dated and all of those kinds of things. And he said, but Lord, uh, but the psalmist said, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's settled. If it was settled in heaven, what do you think it's doing at earth? God's word is not recreating itself in the earth just because it doesn't know what to do. We have in our, in our university, when you take off our prophets, divine communications program, which is what it is for the prophets. When you take off divine communications program, program, you don't know what divine communications mean, what it looks like, what it, how it sounds. And you're not, we're not going to make it up as we go along. I'm not going to let you go to the little pagan trips and try to pull a little something from there. It blows my mind that you prophets are being trained by pagans, and you think that they have something better than your Bible. You've gone to shaman, and you're being trained by shamans. You're being trained by astrologers. You're being trained by sorcerers and magicians. Are you kidding me? I mean, even God deals with that in Daniel. i got to bring some more water. I ain't got excited. Look at that. God let Daniel be trained by Nebuchadnezzar, but not in his own land. After his people were deported from their homeland, what they did, that the kings did, Nebuchadnezzar did what kings do. He literally tapped the best and brightest of the deportees, and he pulled them into his royal service. Because a lot of us talk about Daniel like he was a church prophet. Well, no church. Okay, this is a nation under a sovereign. Let's get clear. See, we don't put things in context. We don't learn them contextually. And so he, turned, he was taught, Nebuchadnezzar pulled him in. And he pulled in Daniel and his three friends. Why, why did he choose them? Did he choose them because they were cute with the little bags on their shoulders where they didn't 
pull them because they look really cute and they look tattered. No, they were dressed as royal servants. And before he pulled those people out, he sent the team in to screen and, and survey what he would be getting. And he ends up with Daniel and all of them working in the palace. So they are palace prophets. And as palace prophets, they were responsible for national issues. You know, a lot of people say, I'm prophet to the nations. We can't get you to go around your neighborhood. Not even in your family. You dodge it from your family. I don't want to tell them a prophet because they're going to think, are you kidding me? You got to be kidding. I'm just like, I'm, weird. I'm like Paul. I'm magnifying my office. I've got, yes. If pastors can still say that they're pastors and they don't even have a church, I'm surely going to be who I am. Hallelujah. So Nebuchadnezzar taps them among a whole bunch of other deportees. And he pulls them in their office because he realizes they are the prophets. And he's putting them with his, uh, training them for his divine communications staff. Because every sovereign had a whole staff of spiritual ministrants who took care of those matters, who handled the deities and the gods that they were fighting, all of those things. But you'll learn that when you take the course. Long story short, God gives Daniel, Daniel makes up his mind, I'm not converting to Babylon. I'm not converting to Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to stay a Yahweh prophet, and this is how I'm going to do it. See, most of y'all, y'all took some shaman classes, and you didn't think God was offended. You didn't think God was hurt. You didn't think he, he was going to come after that. You thought that you can take that and still put his name on it. I'm just going to slap the Jesus name on it, and I'm going to still slap Jesus' name on another deity, on another God, a God that hates him. You didn't think God was going to come after that? And, and you listen to pastors tell you that that was all right? Half of those prophets were trained by pastors or offended by them and wanted to get back at the church, and as a result, got back at Jesus Christ. But Daniel didn't fall for that. Daniel said, I'm not eating his food. I'm not drinking his, his wine. He said, I'm going, to do, I'm going to live off the Lord. He went purely organic. I'm just eating vegetables, meal, and water. That's it. We do a Daniel fast every year. I, cannot even, I, I said, that's got to be just one of the... I used to do it. And God said, why are you doing it? Nobody's turning into Daniel. He was irritated. He said, that's not but He said, it's a fake fast. Because you're not trying to do because all you're doing is skipping meals or, 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 or changing your menu. He says, a fast before me. I dislike it, so I don't do it. I don't do it. If, I'm a, if anybody has a Daniel fast, you're going to be a prophet. And you're going to fast like Daniel, and while you're fasting, you're going to be in training. Because that's a whole Daniel fast, not skipping meals and cutting menus. He hates it. He told me that. Because you know what? When people have said it to me, I don't tell them that. This is probably the first time my people even heard it. But he just, he just, have you heard this before? No. But, but do we call them? No. I don't do no Daniel fast. Because we're not Daniel. He said, if you're going to do if, if 1,500 people are going to do a Daniel fast, I ought to be able to get at least 500 Daniels. No training, no calling, just flesh. We'll worship the works of the flesh. So we don't do Daniel fast. I know there are a lot of people who do them, and I know some of y'all going to write me letters and care and all. You know, some days I feel like engaging, other days I just dump them. Depends on how I'm feeling. Today I'm not feeling the most engaging self. 
So if you're not going to do Daniel, then stop pretending. Daniel fast is not some sort of church ritual. It was a survival technique. And it was a vow. It's a statement of a vow, a vow that Babylon won't touch me. I may not be able to get out of Babylon. I might not be able to avoid the king. I might not be able to worship my God the way I used to worship him. I might be in exile in this foreign land. I may be under God's judgment and under his punishment. But what I won't do is I won't become a Babylonian. That's a Daniel fast. Still listen to the same music still fighting for the same devils, still doing the exact same thing, not reading any more scripture than before, and you're walking around and you're giving these people these sense of pride in a, a failed work. So we don't do Daniel fast. And if you're going to call one as a prophet or an apostle, then you need to identify your Daniel. Now, your people can support their fast if they want to do something else. But your Daniel needs to be in school. Daniel fast belongs to prophetic companies. Daniel fast belongs to prophetic schools. And they, one should not be without the other. Thus says the Lord. So Daniel decided, I am not going to become a Babylonian. I'm going to learn this stuff because my God has favored me to be brought into the king's private royal training. It was a royal class for royal prophets, prophets of a sovereign. And so Daniel and his friends all agreed. They prayed. God gave them favor because, you know, God, you put Jesus first, he's going to show off. I'm telling you, God got so, so few people who will boldly and brashly put him first, declare him that when they do in truth and sincerity, not in rebellion, God breaks all records for them. I'm telling you, he will do it because you are putting him first. You're giving him something to work with. So he did. And when the time came, the, the, the text says that it wasn't a, the trainees who did the test, that they were literally grilled by the king himself off his own curriculum for his own nation, which was an empire. They were not, his way was so big, he needed three presidents to divide the power. And we can go on, but the point is taken that. Daniel was then tried. The education was immediately tried. And when it was tried, it wasn't tried against a church presbytery. You know, we think we did something because we just out-prophesied each other with a church presbytery. That wasn't it. It was tried for, to prove that it was for the king's service. God wanted to bring Daniel to the king's attention. So he gave the king this dream, and Daniel, obviously, Daniel, we know the story. He told the dream. I like that fact. I always love that part. That's why I linger. He told the dream and then gave its interpretation. That's, man, that's good. That, you, that, you better know you and Jesus are close. So he told the dream, gave its interpretation. King was all excited. He said, hey, this man gets in no other way than anyone else does. Promoted him because God had already made him 10 times better. You ever think about Nebuchadnezzar? How could Nebuchadnezzar count? that Daniel's abilities were 10 times better. Isn't that an interesting question? He could have said nine times better. You could say, yeah, well, that might have been a colloquial term. Not for kings. Kings don't fall into that kind of colloquial. So kings have to reign. That means they have to rule. That means they have to always be on top. That means they can't be following other folks because then you're not a king. So his program had to be so tight and so rigid and so defined that he had grades 
and levels of achievement and various questions that he asks of his uh, students reveal what level they would be. And Daniel went over and above 100%. Now, he went over and above 100%, which means the king had a ton of questions no one had ever answered before. He's thinking, oh, well, if you got that, hold on. How about this? Daniel, okay, good, good. Hold on, good. On and on until he hit Daniel's limit. And when he hit his limit, he said, that's 10 times better. That's 100 with the 10 times on that. You understand? And so Daniel's capacity, his knowledge, the way he learned those classes, the way he understood those practices and understood those the logic, national issues, you know, military issues, spiritual issues, religious issues, human issues, political, diplomatic issues. Those were what they had to learn. Not just, ah, uh, yeah, 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 I see, da, 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 da. That's not what they learned. Because a, a, a sovereign needs a little bit more than your da, 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 da. And they don't want your church service. They have a whole priestly team to take care of that. And so Daniel broke the record on the king's questions and the king's issues and concerns. And because of that, he was 10 times better, not because he prophesied the longest. But, you know, you got to get it right because we we, we are accustomed to measurements. The people in the top want measurements. They want to know that they will not be let down. They want to know that they will not be misled. They want to know that they will not fail following the advice of an advisor or a counselor because they are out to win. And in Nebuchadnezzar's world, when you failed or when you embarrassed him, you died. They arrested you and you died, which was all of them. So Daniel's 10 times better. And what does king do? The king puts him over every spiritual ministrant in the realm. Now, I'm not even going to get into that. You'll need to enroll in the class or maybe show up in June to get a little more information on it. But the implications of that are immense. Because the king found a voice that can work with his monarchy defeat his enemies, and give him an edge that kept him on top. So, no, we don't know the prophets, and we don't have a prophet doing that. We don't have anybody like that today. Oh, one so up with Jesus Christ that he's going he's to bring a whole contingent to the planet to work with this prophet or Zechariah. So when people give me grief about the prophetic, you know what I say? You know nothing. Because if, if we had somebody like a Daniel, they would have made the news. We had somebody like Ezekiel, they would have made the news. Man laying down, eating dung every day. Boy, that's news. Let's see how many days he's going to do. There's 40 days. Okay, but we're at the 35th day. He's still eating dung. That would make the news, even if it just made social media. 
Hallelujah. Man, walking up and down the street naked, talking about God is coming. Oh, we had a lot of stupid people doing it, but God didn't back the stupid. And he did so many other things that we know not of. We've not seen anybody like a Samuel. Not yet. And until we are, but see, nobody even has, we don't have that answer because nobody has faith for it. Nobody has faith for it because they haven't read the Bible and know that it's to be had, to be desired, petitioned for. And, and I don't know how many people want to be a, a you know, Ezekiel prophet. What? Eat and, eat and do-do every day? No. Mm-mm. No, no. People are not trying to say I'm an Ezekiel. I got that Ezekiel anointing. No. But imagine that prophet's understanding of his duty to his office and his sovereign. Nobody's saying, man, I can't wait to be at Isaiah, just walk around all naked and carrying on, yelling at kings and whatnot. Jeremiah, buried in, in the sewer system. They made the book because they did the outlandish for God. And they made posterity because they literally um, put God's experience in print for us to read in the future. Whether we'll have that or not, again, I couldn't say. I think that right now God has a long way to go to get a prophetic institution that would even be on par with what they did with their predecessors, which is why I make it a big deal in my program for my students to know their predecessors, to profile them, and to understand them, so that you understand how God does things and remain within the continuum by following the patterns set forth before us. So, yes, we're getting ready for God's future. That's what we're going to focus on in June at our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, God's future, and what God needs his prophets and apostles and his five folders to do, to get ready. Because, see, so many of you are not enrolling in these programs like this because you're like, well, I don't have to do that because God blessed me without it. Yet he blessed you without it on the old. Now, what, what kind of blessing will you have on the new if he shut it down? See, I've had him tell me, well, I don't have to learn this because I know too many people are doing it without it. Yeah, but that's because their, their replacements aren't ready. But when their replacements are ready, God is cutting off those works, and he's shutting them down. Because if he's not going to perpetuate the problem he has, then he's got to shut the problem down and issue the staff to carry out that work for him. We're thinking like babies, thinking like the flesh, not understanding that God himself has tolerated this. They just assume because God is allowing the harvest that God is approving, that he's happy. He is not happy. He's not approving, and he's been working for replacement for a long time. You realize that when God took Saul in service, he had already had, a, had in his mind how long Saul was going to do what he did. And he wanted Saul to, because now this is going to be interesting, lean in, lean in. God put Saul in place because of Eli and his sons and the wicked training that whole generation had. It took God 40, what, 20 years, I believe. I don't want to get the numbers wrong. 20 years to purge the land of all of that perversity and all of that garbage. He wanted the people to get sick of it. So God allows all of this. He said, when sin abounds, then grace abounds much more. But see, let sin abound. We always want to do grace much more. There is sin. And so God allowed Saul, who he already knew was never going to please him, was never going to get it right. He allowed Saul to reign over 
Those were nasty people. And he allowed Saul to treat them any way he wanted to treat them. Well, that's sovereignty anyway. But God could not put a good man over those wicked people because his goodness would never come to light. So God put a wicked man over wicked people. You understand, you got the leader that you are. And when he was tired of Saul, and Saul had worn him out, not the Lord, but the people, and they got tired, and they got sick of Saul, he was selfish. He was egotistical and maniacal. He was schizophrenic, had some bipolar, a little bit of manic, probably had a lot of manic, happy today, sad tomorrow. David, I love you right now. And then before we get to dessert, the spirit's coming at you, trying to kill you. I mean, talk about this man was mentally, he was deranged. Today we have all of those names for Saul. He was deranged. And so he turns around and God lets them go through all of that and literally let that office of the monarchy demolish Saul as a person as a ruler, as a kingdom, and in the process, demolish his land. And why did he do it? Because God lets evil go first. Because good, evil is the antithesis of good. So God lets evil go first. He lets wickedness gather it off, get it full. That's how he works. That's a pattern. Meanwhile, while evil is having a heyday, the Lord is training the replacement, the cleanup crew, the takeover crew, you can name it. And they are very different. Most of them are abused. Most of them are rejected. And that's the way God likes it. He likes it so because when you step into that place, that messy place that God is assigning you to, you need to be skilled and you need to be strong and gutsy. And so God was training David all that time. And God literally trained Saul's replacement in Saul's presence, in Saul's house, in Saul's realm, and use Saul often to train because David's got to face off with a lot of other kings. So he's got to be fearless in front of kings. So as you think about these things, and I've given you a lot to think about today, but as you think about these things, I need you to recognize that all that you're talking about as a prophetic is not the prophetic is not, a, not an ecclesial uh, institution. It's a kingdom institution appointed to the church. God has set these in the church. But the, if he had to set them in the church, they had to be born someplace else. They had to be established elsewhere. So you need to understand that God has a future, and he's, come, he's ready to implement that future. And he's been working on the instrument, instruments of that future for a long time. See, this is he's not instituting, it's done. It's done beneath the scenes, beneath the surface, behind the scenes. But he's implementing it. And where will you be? I don't care how many people told me, because I've had them tell me, well, Paula, you know, you just do the right and we do the building. You know what I used to say? Oh, God, I'm nobody. I used to ask him, you know, I did, right? Because I was in theory and I didn't know God's priorities and his ways. You know, um, Psalm 28, I said, well, I didn't know the, God, the operation of God's hands. But I had to learn them. And then what God said, he said, but you know what? I let Saul build that kingdom, but David entered in. So all this here building and whatever, you need to understand, if you've been in the back room with Dad and Solomon and you've been David on the run, 
you need to understand that all of that life goes on, life goes on. But when it was time, God shifted that thing. And he shifted it in an hour. In an hour. He shifted for Samuel, unknown, unheard of, little baby kid, just little toddler running around, everybody enjoying him, little church boy, you know, just enjoying him, little toddler. He's just loving God, singing praises, doing what he could do, <clears throat> carrying out the task of the priest, being mentored by them, and in a day. Because it takes only one calamity to shut you down. It only takes one calamity to transition from the old to the new. One calamity. Rarely is that transition, that such a transition, <clears throat> calamity-free. That's a rarity. So it only takes one. And it took Eli dying for Samuel to step in. Samuel didn't need any OJT because he was raised up. Little priest in the house. It only took a moment. It didn't take much. It took the calamity to get Moses to do what he did. Israel populated in Egypt, but Moses pulled them out and had a nation when he walked out. Took calamity, and that's all it takes today. And so all of this here, cozy, comfy, cozy, comfy. Well, I mean, well, let's get real. We're hearing it all over. God's not talking. Well, he's not giving me. I don't know what he's saying. Well, we don't know. Well, we're waiting for love. Well, we're just going on. And you're just doing business as usual as if that business helped God the first time. It didn't. And God is about to move. And you need to know where you fit in God's prophetic future. Because God has a future. And what is his prophetic future? Not just for the church, for the world. The, the, the God's prophetic future for Daniel was in Babylon. It was not in Israel. Israel had been doing all the wonderful things they know to do and everything. They were, they were standing firm. Thus saith the Lord, the king of Babylon is not going to take you. This is not going to change. Things will always be as they've always been. We've heard, you can read it. That, that, that same attitude. And in a day, God changed the present to the future. And he made the present the past. Left the little field of people there in, in, in his country, his beloved country, to keep it going until the ground. But for the most part, he shifted the future. And Daniel's future was not in his homeland. It was not under the, the present the way they were doing things. I'm sure it doesn't say what he felt. We don't even get any information on it. But clearly, Daniel had a heart for God and he didn't like what was happening to his land. He clearly accepted it because prophets accept God's future, whether they agree with it, approve of it, understand it or not. And Daniel's future was in Babylon to be the prophet over every spiritual communicant in Nebuchadnezzar's realm. Now, who, who can imagine that future? Who can imagine that? Some of the places God's going to put prophets, who's going to imagine that? Some of the things you're going to be assigned to them, I don't want to ask that young man. Uh-uh. If you're coming into the sovereign service, you have to lay your stuff, your stuff down. Because everybody that God exalts highly has to leave everything else behind. They become property of the state. Property of the king and his kingdom. And that is a powerful thought. Well, Prophet Ashley, I went on today, but I have something to say. I wanted to, I wanted to lay this out for you. 
I wanted you to recognize it. And you can talk all day long about we don't need training and we don't need education. I promise you the future that God has is going to require that. I promise you that for you to be trusted and for you to be weighted where you need to be and placed where you will succeed and where those who trust you will excel requires all of those things that, that, that your local church didn't require, that the pastor's anointing didn't require, that the pastor, pastors can't train prophets. They weren't around when prophets were doing what they do. Pastors cannot train prophets unless they're pastors or prophets first. So you are walking around here thinking, well, I'm going to my, my church's prophetic training program. That's nice, and your church prophet. You'll never do anything great for God if that's your limit. You will be with that church. And if that church ever gets great, you will never get great. And no matter how great that church gets, until you get under the office that the mantle that uh, the office you're called to, you won't get it. And somebody needs to say it. Because some of you all, you're paying all of this money for these little church profits trainings. You're paying all of this money for these little weekend this and weekend that. And you're not going to be useful to the sovereign of our creation, the sovereign of our office, the God of the prophets. Somebody's going to hear me. Because God wants you to recognize that if you plan to do anything but more than politics and little antics with your mantle, then you're going to need a lot more than what you think. And you're going to have to stop coming into, coming into these kind of programs. Somebody doesn't take all of that. No, it doesn't take all of that for a local church. But it takes that and so much more for a nation, for a region, for a county, for a city. And you're running around there just, just saying what you see and say, and everybody thinking that you're not seriously. For us to be taken seriously, for this institution to be brought back on the board, put back on the books, brought into mainstream ministry service, you're going to have to do a lot more than what your, your local church needs. Your pastor didn't require much because he didn't know what was required. She didn't understand what a prophet did. You have to start, with, I mean, I love it, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The contrast didn't fit. You're talking about apples and bananas. And that can't work. You need to hear that. I have no idea uh, why we're here. Prophet Ashley will tell you coming in that we, um, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. But I do know this. June is important. It's going to mark a historic place and a historic turning point for the prophetic. And you want to be here. You don't want to miss it. You want to borrow, if you can borrow, if you are coming and you're a minister, or even if you're not, you can raise funds. Uh, if I had the money, I'd be there. Stop saying that. If you're called to be a prophet, you know how to create money. You know how to find money. So that's not it. Don't ever say that to Dr. Price, because a mantle of the prophet is money. It manifests money. That's why we pray for people's riches. We pray for their jobs. We pray for their insurances. We pray for their lawsuits. We pray for their settlements. Why do you think we do that? Because it's in us because that's part of the tools of our trade. So don't say that. Well, you know, Dr. Price, I would be there in a minute if God would let me. God wants you to be there if you're part of his future. I'm telling you, I know this for a fact. But I don't know how to get, yes, you do go raise money. Because you know what, if, if your car broke down tomorrow and you needed a $2,000 transmission or you would lose your job, guess what you would find? You find that $2,000 without a problem. 
And if you are genuinely a prophet, you already know how to do this. But I'm telling you, the past is no more. God wants you to hear this. The former things are no more. This shift has happened in the heavens. And we can give you the signs and marks and indicators of them when you're here. If you're a prophetic uh, chief prophet or you have a prophetic company, you need to bring your team so that you can position them. You need to stop thinking like a church prophet. We can get it anywhere because there are churches everywhere. And you're going to start thinking like a sovereign servant. And I need, I'm being called home. I'm being called in, out of the field to get ready for the next shift. This is a call. This is a clarion call. This is a summons for you to get ready for God's future. That's what it is. And that's why I sound so somber, because this is a somber moment in God. You are being called to the king's palace. You're being called from your village, called from your city, called from your whatever, whatever else you have. You're being called for the shift. Jesus had the 12 all set, has sent the 70 out. They've come back, shared their stories of victory. He went out and personally started calling other people to add to his team. They gave him all kinds of reasons because they never believed. They never believed that this little boy from John and Mary or Joseph and Mary would ever, ever change the world. So why would they risk what they had? But a real prophet can see times and seasons. You know, you can see change. You can't follow. You just stay with your pastor. Most God gave these churches about the prophetic is the sons of Issachar. That's it. Sons of Issachar, sons of Issachar. God, and won't call them prophets. Sons of they had, they could see, see what's, come on. This is not just about Issachar. This is about the institution that goes back to the foundation of the world and the institution that will close out the world. This is a very serious call, very serious move. So I need you to, if you are called to this, you need to get with God and ask, are you being summoned to this meeting? We can invite you all day long, but it's God who issues the summons. Are you being summoned to Tulsa in June to the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute? And are you being summoned to learn and become a part of God's future. The world has changed. It is not going to be the same. Life for the church has changed. It will not be the same. Church as we know it, the pastors as we've seen them, not going to be the same. And you should not be blindsided by what will take its place. This is the word of the Lord to you right now. Are you being summoned by the king? Find out what he's doing. Are you being marked for what he wants to do? Well, how do I know, Dr. Price, if I'm being summoned? Number one, you ask. And number two, you come. Because he said, the Lord has spoken. He can but prophesy. You're being summoned. If you're a prophet, if you're prophetic, if you're a pastor with prophets, if you're a five-folder, I don't think anybody in the body of Christ should miss this simply because you need to be forewarned in order to be forearmed. We put so much emphasis on equipping you for the local church. We've not armed you for the world to come. And that is what's happening. 
God's he's a sugar pie. So you want to give the dates before you come over? I said it wrong, didn't I? I thought it. Well, anyway, they go on the website. They'll find it. Oh, yeah. huh. And on Sunday, the 24th, we're having a special Congregation of the Mighty Yay. We had one earlier this year. Then our Saint Seal Company. So we're not getting this? Yeah, these are some very serious questions. We haven't thought about it. That sounds like the right answer, doesn't it? So you definitely want to come and stay over for the baptism um, if you want to shed the old world. This is nothing spooky. It's kind of like Jesus. John said to Jesus, but I need to be baptized by you. And he said, yeah, but thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. It's befitting. And so if you're ready to begin your journey to leave the cultures of this world, it's just an outward sign. But I tell you, the last time we did it, God definitely stunned us. And so I'm thinking he's probably got a lot more to bring into it. Now, that's not mandatory. Please don't say it's mandatory because, you know, we go into all of these kinds of things. And, again, you know, I'm in a new posture, Ashton. You know what my new posture is? If you've only been past the train, we're not going to have the same kind of conversation because I represent the offering mantles of Scripture. So if you're only pastor trained and I'm fighting with your doctrine, I'm fighting with your pastor's doctrine, that your pastor's theology, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not just ecclesial. I'm ecclesial plus. So when this people like you were raised up only by pastors, but and all of that, always looking. Yes, growing. I was young. Uh huh. And my, you had a good church. Yeah, I was just on my people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what would be more. The Bible is so thick. I mean, it was just basic. Yeah. The Bible is so thick, and I feel like I'm hearing so little of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> anybody else preaching the rest of the Bible? Yes. I mean, it wasn't even deep. Uh, but when I found you, I was like, you wouldn't. Yes. And still, yeah. come on over, girl. Like, yeah, still. You know, I still, you know what, you, can, you have to say this much, Ashley. I've not bored you in all these years. Now, I can, I challenge, ruffle your feathers. Yeah. But if you want exciting Christianity, just hang with Jesus. He is an amazing God. Certainly hang with you and Jesus. Yeah, me and Jesus. You know, Jesus and I, we got a hang thing going on. Got a thing going on. Yeah, he's a thing. I'm his thing. And that's how it works. We are his hand. Nobody is getting in the way. No, no. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that we may walk in them. I love this man. I think he's the most phenomenal, amazing person ever. And I tell him that every day. And I tell him, I hope you don't get bored hearing it because I'm going to say it again. Yeah. And again. I don't think he does. No. He has to me. Yeah. Know what he said? Yep. Praise is coming for the upright. Well. You know, God's going to go scriptural. He's scriptural again. <laughs> He's going to go scripture. But anyhow, we had a, 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 what did you think of our talk, our chat? I guess that other one, she hit? I'm sure. She'll come float on in. <laughs> well, I, uh, it's interesting. Well, is it interesting that we ended up here? I had reached out to one of my prophet friends, and I said, are you coming to this event? I reached out to a couple people, because I thought, you know, in our church, passivity, and especially with social media and all these things, you really believe 
you are in touch with somebody or really being mentored by somebody more than you are. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's been all these wonderful things, birthdays, cards, videos, love you, you're my mentor, you're my apostle, and you don't show up. Ever. Ever. There's something wrong with that. Yeah. And I know that uh, this is, of course, the whole master strategy the enemy has about keeping people out. This type of training, our event is not a conference. No. It is training. That's why it's training in there. It is training. Hey, Ashley, why do you train in there? Because you get trained. <laughs> the youth get trained. The adults get trained. You sit down. You take notes. So anybody who's been there, if you look, bring a laptop if you can type, okay? Because you think that you can write and your hand's going to be like this. Dr. Price can push out more wisdom and information than anybody I know in 60 minutes or less. And so I said, so why, why haven't we ever seen you here? And you know what? They had to think, honestly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is so true. And I was just saying to one of their colleagues, we need to get to Tulsa mm-hmm. this year yeah. and make it happen because it is so easy to, I read your books, I, I watch your broadcasts, I do whatever that I'm actually uh, supporting your ministry mm-hmm. and actually not just purely benefiting mine. Exactly. Because for many people, this is a one-way thing. You take, because we're giving. Mm-hmm. We're giving out. You buy the books. You tune in. Maybe so seek, do whatever. But really not going the full distance to become. Mm-hmm. And what you said today is, oh, this is not about us getting together. So we can leave saying, whoa, probably it wasn't that deep, man. Dr. Christ is so deep. That's Tulsa. Oh, my goodness. Wow, wow, wow. But to walk away changed. Prophet Lisa said when they were here the last time, and then they went back. She said, man, church is lit up. She did. She said for a long time. For a long time. Lit up after coming back because it's not hype. It's excitement. Yep, we don't just true. stir people up in their spirit, but they're actually changed. They mm-hmm. grow. You're, you're strengthened. You're empowered. You, are, you have knowledge. I mean, we kick the event off with showing you what we're facing, where we are, what we face, taking the lead. Mm-hmm. Taking the lead. You know, learn today, lead tomorrow. You know? I uh, know. Uh, I'm in all of it. Yeah, me. <laughs> And it is a new day. Like you said today, it's a new day. It's a new day in God for us. But for him, this is old hat. Mm-hmm. This is him trying to bring it back around mm-hmm. to what it really is. Mm-hmm. And he said, we start this, we end this, these mantles. Um, to say, guys, this isn't about, he said, he prophesied the longest. It's heavy. This is, this is heavy. And uh, I'll be honest with you. When, when uh, I invite people, I think people are so church-minded mm-hmm. that God has to work to get national and global issues yeah. vibrant in them. Yeah. That, you know, you read so much, you think you read it, you got it. You don't. You just read it. Trust me, when you get a test on it or you test it in it, you realize you don't have it. And I have not been in mainstream. My work is not mainstream like that. I don't, you know. I have now my work is sold all over the world and all of that. And I listen to people and they say, I know you, I got what you know you don't. You realize how much I've learned since the Prophet's Dictionary? You realize how much I have done before the garden. Before the garden. And I'm ready to do before the garden too. All right? Because the Lord has to load the planet with his future yeah. and with the consciousness of his future. The reason you feel that is because God's not the priority. You are. Because if God's a priority, when God ought to be able to send you anywhere he wants to on a moment's notice, and you do it because you're in his service, because that's what happens when you work for the government of the land. 
See, God's not a priority. Your church is, your doctrine is, your theology is, your own ministry is, your own experiences. All of those are the priorities. God's way down the pecking order, which is why you, when I talk about his future, it never dawned on you to think, what, God has a future? Well, he's Alpha and Omega. Yeah, well, how do you think he's getting to Omega? I don't know. <laughs> no, we know he starts, but how do you think he's getting to the beginning? He's starting to be, how's he going to get to the end of it? With you and me. And he needs you to be alert. We have made him look like an idiot. We have preached and prophesied all kinds of nonsensical things. We have his body hating him and arguing with him. We have made a whole bunch of antichrist children, all right? We went from sanctifying them to, to literally isolating them for the world. I mean, we have a lot severing them from this man. We have a lot to do. And all these situations, she's right, they are a repeat of history just in modern times. But they are still his issue. And you can say, well, I'm, I just think God told me. Some of the things that people tell me God told me, I'm like, God. I'll be like, and then you hear people say, well, we don't need chapter and verse. You don't. A pastor doesn't need chapter and verse, but a prophet does. Because a prophet is supposed to be divine communicant. So you need every chapter, and you need every verse, and then you need some more. So a prophet does. So if, you, if it's passive, all you need to do is help people stay married, help people have some children, help them, you know, do the golden rule and do the love walk or whatever we do. That's sufficient to keep a little church, to keep a local church, a small group of people. You're talking about now this man touching 8 billion people with devils coming up left, right, north, and south, angels dropping in on all kinds of ways, the world, the, literally people praying up paganism and all those kinds of things that his blood stomped out and his church revived. Now, he got issues. And I'll tell you something, when people tell me God doesn't have issues, I thought, well, he already, you already showed me he's got one. You're ignorant. That's already clear. The fact that you don't think he is anything because when God's a living God, he told me this morning, I'm talking to him, and he said to me this morning, he said, but they don't think I'm alive. That's why, I, I'm, that's why we're stuck. Because they are literally working for, working for somebody that they think will come alive when they meet me. They don't think that I'm involved. They don't think that I'm active. You really have to ask yourself, even if you're thinking about God's future, ask yourself, how real is God to you? And then after you ask yourself, write your answer down. After you write your answer down, I want you to turn around, and I want you to ask God, God, is this true? Do I think you're a living God? Do I think you are active today? <laughs> Excuse me. You've got to do that because God had to say, he said, well, if I was real to you, these wouldn't even come up. He said, because they don't come up to the real people you talk to every day. But, you know, I love those talks with him. I love that because when he does that, in, the, in, in, doing, in doing so, he reveals I am a real-time active God now. And I want to engage you in my activities, mine, not darkness, mine. And so that's part of why I make a big deal about it. I'm, I won't let them treat God like he doesn't exist. Uh-uh, y'all not going to treat him like that. Not here. And you know what? He likes it. He likes it, and he follows them. Some of you all, I want to say this uh, because it's important, and I want you to go back to your list, okay? But I want to say that some of you all want to hear from God, but your church has told God not to speak. So you are not in a place where there's an open heaven. 
You're not in a place where God's word is given a pre-course and high place. And so you can need God all day long. But if you are part of that, if you're a member of that kind of church, God is honoring that leader's wishes. So some of you all, that's why you come to these events. You come to these events, and we have not yet heard it uh, fail that people say, God talks all day long, all night long. I mean, because God's catching up. Because you've entered his communication center. We, Scripture Organic, Culture Unmodified, Dr. Paula Price, we are God's communication center. The portals are open, the channels are open, and God is talking because that's what we enable him to do. When people are surprised and when they relocate here, God just talks. Then you just start talking like, he, he, <laughs> I know. You're like, you almost said, I didn't know you had so much to say. <laughs> I didn't speak much. Yeah, it's because he speaks, because this is his communication center. He's welcome. He's desired. We're interested in what he said. We teach people how to listen to him and how to hear from him. And he speaks his mind. I'm telling you, sometimes a little sharply. <laughs> oh, yes. He can get very sharp, but you know, he's so pleasant and he's so sweet that you get over the sharp and it's like, oh, because <laughs> you're like, wow. <laughs> This is a, I know that I carry the portal of God's divine communication center. I know it. I was surprised when various high-level communications people told us. Yes. Oh, no, Dr. Price, no, no. When we get here, when, no, we come around you and God, yeah. Just like John 151. When you read John 151, it said that the heavens opened over Jesus. So when you're not in a prophetic environment, mm-hmm. Yeah. God, you're not going to hear a word from God. I don't care if you're going down for the third time. Because if, if you're not hearing, it's because your leader told God he did not or she did not want God to speak into that organization or to speak to the people, did not want the prophetic there, did not want people prophesying, did not want anything close to God's mouth being open. When your leader says that, and they may not have said it to you, although if you listen to those sermons, they probably said it over and over again. You will not hear because God attaches us to leaders. You become their appendage. And what they will is what happens to you. How many of you all like that? Did you like that? Because you didn't know why God wouldn't answer. Sometimes the, the simplest reason has to do with the fact that your leader asked God not to do that. They want sermons. They want songs. They want prayers. Maybe. But they don't want prophecy. And if they don't want prophecy, that means God cannot be spontaneous. He cannot answer in the moment because they have mandated. And God works with his leaders. He said about Nebuchadnezzar, who he keep alive, he kept alive, who was dead, is dead. He said about Moses, who whatever you do is right. So God works with leaders. And that's why leadership is so important. Just like when we went under our last president, we couldn't get a word from God no matter what. Oh we had to listen to all the little pagan deities and all that other stuff. Couldn't get any of that. Get, we get a man in here that's naming Jesus Christ. And, of course, you know, the, 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 the one thing he's doing is separating the real Christians from the false. Yeah. You get a man in here naming Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 God speaking, everybody speaking, stuff coming out about everything. Everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. And so I'm telling you, if God's not answering you and you are in a church that doesn't allow prophets and prophecy, you, nobody's criticizing you for that because you may not be meant to be that. I'm not making that judgment. But I'm telling you, the reason is because your leader asked God to shut up and to not uh, speak into him 
her, their bodies, their whatever. Because when they said, don't speak to my body, they don't just mean speaking to themselves yeah. personally. Yeah, well, you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Okay, I had a question, though. You have a question, I have an answer. Previously on the Paul Price Show, Previously. Today, today, you were talking about fasting. Should churches collectively fast? I think that if, God, if the church has a need and the church is in trouble or there's an infiltration of something that they cannot deal with, I think the church should fast if God speaks to that leader. A leader has a right to call his or her congregation to a fast. But they need to make sure that they find that fast and that that fast goal is something that's going to happen. Like we want God to, to uh, we're going to fast for God to keep get divorce out of our church. I've seen churches do yeah. that because divorce is a spirit. We're going to fast because well, we want God to get, uh, you know, unwed pregnancies out of our church. Okay, we want to fast because we want to up the giving. That's fine. Now, I know you hear people say that they don't fast under the New Testament, but Paul fasted. I know we don't need that, but he fasted. Timothy fasted. They fasted for what they needed God to do. Fasting is to do a couple of things. Number one, to afflict your soul. Because a lot of times people's souls are blind, you know, and they choose too fleshy, whatever they want, or whatever. And so it opens your soul. That's number one. Fasting as a, as a group. Um, creates uniformity, a, a, a single-mindedness, you know, as part of a prayer vigilance. I don't think it should be done a lot, to be honest with you, um, but um, that's just me. But then I have a different place in God, and we, you know, like we don't have to fast for the heavens to open like that. We're not, we, we, we pray, but God has already said who we are to him and what he's going to do and what he will and what I do. But fasting, if the leader is not living right, wasteful. Um, fasting if they have if people if they're at odds with God's faithful because the fast that God calls calls a list leader to do or the sanction for leader to do that has to be based on God and that leader being in good standing, they're being in good fellowship. So you know you need to know that. So because uh, sometimes the leaders will call the church to fast and God didn't need the church to fast. God needed the leader to fast. Mm. You know we need you to clean up your stuff. Because then you'll start teaching your people correctly. Another thing is that to fast for uh, a spiritual warfare that you know you're having or a place in your region. So there are a lot of good reasons for it. But then again, I am very concerned about fasting. Having people fast um, indiscriminately, not a good thing. First of all, people need to, to make sure you need to know who's on medication, who isn't on medication, who has various physical illness. People with diabetes have to have a different kind of way of doing it. Uh, high blood pressure, same thing, different kind of way of doing it. Um, I mean, there are people who say, well, I just fast vegetables and whatnot, that's fine. Let's not call it a dandy fast. I'm not going to change on that one because if you're not getting any dandies out of it, I don't know why they fast. Because a fast is to achieve an end, a particular end. And if, you're, if that fast is not including raising up Daniels or training your up-and-coming prophets or anything like that, then let's not call it a dandy fast. Okay, so we're just taking meat out of our diet, that's fine. If you feel like that's a good thing, I, you know, again, those are all risky issues with people's health um, regimen because even though they were able to do them in, uh, in Israel, the nation shut down. Mm-hmm. So everybody shut down. So it wasn't a matter of just fasting, well, I just have a personal thing. You could do that, 
but then everybody shut down. Here, people still have to go to work on empty stomachs. They have to go to work. They have to hold down jobs. All of that makes them vulnerable. And the hungrier they are, the less, the more malnourished they are, the more their will is dropped or weakened so that anything can step in. So when you call a fast for your people, you need to make sure you give it a lot of thought, a great deal of thought. And those that people who are on medications, those people who have various um, diseases and various malady, maladies and infirmities, you need to have modified versions. But if you're going to have your people, a whole congregation fast, that's really pushing. I mean, that's really a big deal because you are sending them out into the world disarmed. And that's why I don't do it. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it a day. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it a Friday night to a Sunday night. That might be just about enough. And if people have to work on Saturday, that's still a little risky. And I believe that is why so mm-hmm. many people said that, 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 you know, under the New Testament, we shouldn't fast. Really, there should be a sacrifice. And fasting is a major sacrifice. Um, but there has to be adjustment because you don't want it to become so and so wearisome that people will eventually leave the church because they're tired of being discomfortable. They're tired of being, you know, regimented and mandated and not able to enjoy their families and, and all of that. I personally, God put me on a seven-year fast. I fasted seven years. I didn't know it was a fast like that. I knew he was telling me to fast, but I didn't know what the purposes were. But I had such, I lived in the Word of God, and I lived in the Bible. I lived in praise. I lived in sermons. So my body literally didn't feel it. And, uh, you know, once I got past day two, I was, I was okay. And I used to do anywhere from three, 21 days, 28 days. I think as long as I've gone, is 28 days. Um, never did 40. Asked if I could. Told not to ever. Um, <laughs> well, it just takes the Lord to pull that off. Sure they both. <laughs> and, and I'm glad I didn't because, I'm, you know, after I later on down the line, I started looking at all of the, the, the crazy things that come out of these people who do these 40-day fasts. And I'm like, yeah. You know, because it doesn't, I mean, not one apostle said they did it. Now, Paul, Paul fasted all the time. Sometimes he fasted because he was, you know, deprived of food. Other times he fasted because he was dedicating himself. But you should never fast if you're not going to dedicate yourself to the Lord because it's through that dedication, submit yourself to God, that you can resist the devil and he will. She's <laughs> a perpetual student. So is she. Always learning. Okay, my other question. Oh, boy, you just full of questions. What's up with you? All right, when you're talking about Saul, wicked leaders, that sort of thing, will God tell you to stay under a wicked leader? Mm-hmm. Yes, for a couple of reasons. Um, God will put you under a w- wicked leader if you're called to a, be in leadership, and you need to understand what not to do, what to do, and how not to do it. So he will tell you to do that. He will also call you to stay on a wicked leader when you've got wicked stuff in your life because he's not going to let you bring it into his pure congregation. So he will also call you to stay under a wicked leader under those circumstances. And he will also call you to stay under a wicked leader if that leader is deceived and not rebellious. Mm. And so, and then lastly, he'll call you to stay if you're righteous because he will leave you as an intercessor in that house. And again, if you're called to that, it's because you fit that better than you fit the others. So if you're called to be a leader, that's number one. Make sure you remember that. 
So God wants to show you David was called to be on Saul. Because Saul was wicked, but David had to learn wickedness. Because, you know, you can be very naive, and all young people yeah. start out naive. You can be very naive and thinking that everybody just loves Jesus and they just, just, I just love you. And, okay. and, and they lie to you. People can see naivety in your eyes. So they know that they can get away with saying all kinds of stupid stuff. Because, you know, I, I see it all the time. A whole bunch of folks, stars in their eyes, and Karen and I say, oh, yeah, we're going to have to shadow those because those are not going to have to be. I did. I said, oh, look, your little starry eyes up. Bless your heart. <laughs> and yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> then you look in the mirror. Yeah, I can always know. I, I will tell you where a Christian is by what's going on in their eyes. And then, but then also, if you are a very rebellious Christian, very rebellious, you're independent, you don't want to, you know, God will use a wicked leader to break you if he's going to use you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and they, that, it, it would seem like it would seem like they singled you out, you know? Yeah, there you go. They seem like they singled you out just to vent, like Saul singled David out, you know? And so he did. God said to you, you know, he wrote in the Bible, he said, you know, I will put wicked people over you because you're wicked. You're wicked to me. So however you treat God, that's the kind of leader you're going to get, you know? And however you feel about God, that's the kind of leader you're going to get because God is everything and everybody. Now, and then the last piece has to do with, if you're called, if you're one of those persons, you're living in sin, you're shacking and carrying on, you want God to give you a good leader, you're crazy. He's not going to put you in a pure body because he doesn't want to contaminate his body. Well, he really doesn't. You know, God's like, like he's very fussy about us. You know, we used to be so offended when so-and-so wouldn't come and say, wow, these lawsuits got over that. No. Oh, no, 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 no. That's right, the church is mm-hmm. real. No. Mm-hmm. So you just want that. You want to start you want to, the edge Christianity? Yeah, well, you don't even want Christianity. You just like the title. You just, when I mean, Christianity is a default, you didn't like Islam, you didn't like paganism, you so Christianity, oh, well, I might as well be a Christian. Yeah. You know? And so those are reasons why he puts you under a wicked leader. And um, because remember, he said, and I love this passage, he taught me this early in my walk in Proverbs. It says, he who is often rebuked and his neck, a full messenger will mm-hmm. be sent to him. Mm-hmm. You, if you're rebellious and stubborn, you might think, because I like stubborn people. Stubborn people always say they're not stubborn, because oh. they understand why they're not. Why, they understand why they're not going to do what you want. They understand why they're not going to change. So stubborn people will always tell you why they're stubborn, but they're not going to call it that. They're going to say, I'm, I'm, no, but it's just because that's how I am. It's just because that's how I'm raised. It's just because that's how I see things, and it's always a just because. Meanwhile, God says rebellious, stubborn, obstinate. And so because that is born out of their own weakness, they don't, they don't call it stubbornness. They, they kind of make it a defense system. But rebellious people are always going to be under wicked leaders. Even if you try to get under a nice church, you won't stay there long. God will walk you uh-huh. out the door. And if you're very rebellious, you'll church hop because you're a nonconformist. You're not going to conform. So your church hops from place to place because in your mind, in your mind, you don't even realize it, but in your mind, you actually feel that spiritual leadership is insignificant to you and that the God's people's leadership is insignificant. You don't even realize that you are there, you're contaminating his body, you're sowing seeds and all, and all of that that are going to upset his house. Because you understand why you don't. Well, I'm, the reason that I'm that way because the last three churches I was in, they did so and so. But we got a problem that you either keep picking bad churches or you are the reason that they turn out that way. You need to understand that, <laughs> that, that, that relationships are two way street. 
and, and, and your issues with the, your relationship with the Church of Jesus Christ has some issues, and you need to explore them. You need to ask yourself, why does this keep happening to me? And then if you ask the right person, we'll say, why do you keep causing it to happen to you? Come here. What is it you do that keeps this cycle going in your life? What do you feel about Jesus? What do you feel about his church? What do you feel about his faith? What do you feel about whatever? You have to ask yourself because you are the common denominator. When people tell me they can't find a church, I said, you mean the great almighty Jesus. The God who is God of all things, who, as, as Acts 17 says, sets out the boundaries for everybody. Almighty Jesus Christ can't find one place he wants to put you in his body. That should scare you. That's a scary statement, that he has no place to put you in his body. Isn't that a scary thought? See, people mm. have, have bought into Satan's propaganda against the church so much that they're saying, yeah, yeah, I know. No, uh-uh, they can't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I'm going to ask, why is it that Jesus didn't want you in his body? Why does he want you to be a wandering sheep? And sheep without a pastor, you don't have a church because the Bible said when God doesn't give you a pastor, it's because he's judging you. Mm. Now, that judgment could be getting you ready to move to something else. But if it happens over and over again, you're under God's judgment. He doesn't want you in his body. Hmm. Hmm. I like this one. You know, you do come out with those little flames. <laughs> you know, things to think that way. No. You know, we don't. We often don't think of um, of God not placing us as being a problem with us. You know, that's usually our opportunity to believe that. You know, we're just so past it. I'm just so over it. I'm over the church. I'm over God's people. I'm, you know, that kind of sense of Mm -hmm. self entitlement. You know, Uh Um, I I just said perspective because Mm -hmm. that's interesting. You know, you would not think. Let me look at myself and find out why is God not placing me. Mm -hmm. You know, usually because we we get so many calls, um, and I've I've spoken to people on the phone through advisements, through different scenarios with that same issue. I just can't find a place. I just can't find a place. Never, never occurred Mm -hmm. to think. Maybe God does not right. Maybe <laughs> God doesn't want to place you, and then tracking that down and finding Ooh. why does God not want to place me? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's that's just it's just perspective. Hashtag perspective. We have to have that <laughs> because that might that's help us to yeah. really solve those issues. Yeah. Um, because I think that's when when you end up having people do crazy things like go start their own churches and things like that. Mm-hmm. When really it was a yeah. judgment, <laughs> and it was something that God wanted mm-hmm. you to fix and to correct. And it wasn't his signal to you that you were divine, mm-hmm. you know, and different. <laughs> and so supreme. So supreme, you know, yes, wow. But that might explain why we have, you know, literally all these string of ministries and everything that ought not to have ever been. No. And they're not a part of the seven churches. Amen. You know, God is very, um, very orderly. We don't, again, when God is real, you are real. You're realistic. Because you are like, well, I mean, let's look at how it's going. See, I, I do a lot of observing. I step back. I listen to comments like that and things that you said. I listen to people. I go to God and I ask. And one time a woman was telling me, well, I mean, we have been to every church and we can't find a church. And I, I said, hold up. And so I was listening to her and listening to God. God said, ask her why I won't place her. Hmm. Huh? That was new to me. 
which I would say if you do that, because <laughs> <laughs> the Bible said, but he said that he said he places us in a body. He said, I give everything a body as it seems good to me. We're just looking physically. He gives mm-hmm. everything a body. Every faith has a body. Every hope has a body. Everything has a body. And so when, when he said this, I asked, I said, well, why is it that you don't have, I don't know. No, 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 no. Okay. I said, I'm going to say to you what Jesus just said to me. How is it that the Lord God of all creation who says that tells us to safe not the assembling of ourselves together with the saints, who tells us that we are supposed, are supposed to be sheep in our shepherd, the man got seven churches globally, how is it that he cannot find a church? But he won't put you in the church. You keep saying you can't find the church. How about the fact that he's hiding one from you? You can't get in the one that he has. So Jesus is saying, I don't want her in my body because she's throwing up a lot of bodies. Oh, okay. So you all are gullible. You're so busy looking, being the teacher. See, you, you think that the, the, the person crying ain't lying. <laughs> but you know, crying. Where are my sound effects? We need a part right here. There you go. Because <laughs> see, you have been trained to say if they're crying, then their truth, their truth is above every other factor in that story. You feel like they're telling you the whole truth. Yeah. You feel like they're telling you the whole truth because why else would they be crying if they were lying? Oh my God. Crying always cry all the time. That's how they get that's your money. That's how they get in. Yes, because they cry. And so you don't ask questions. You don't you don't say, Well, well, okay, so what happened in your last church? Well, the pastor so and so. What happened? Well, the pastor's wife, so and so. What happened? Well, the singer so and so. And you keep one after another. And it's always the church and it's never them. And you know why you can get away with that? Because you all have issues with Christ church too. And you assume that if you had their courage, you wouldn't be where you are. And so Jesus let me know when I don't put a sheep in a, in a flock, it's because I'm not allowing that sheep. I got them outside the camp. Like he did with Miriam, he said, I keep them outside the camp until they change, until they repent, yeah. until they come to the ways of the Lord. Especially if it's a good flock, if that's a good shepherd. And you coming up there, you're going you gonna to come there as, a, as the devil's adjutant. The devil's. <laughs> I know, I was together. Get advocate. <laughs> and so, so when people say that to you, and if that's what you've been saying, you need to get on your knees right now and say, you know what, God, I never saw it like that. Show me what I do that makes me unworthy of your congregation. Because there's a lot of people who do that, male, female, chief, you know, and then you have couples who decide they're too, they're too elitist for the church of Jesus Christ. Huh. And I look at them and I think, but you piece of flesh, like me. We're all flesh. We all stink in the morning. <laughs> Come on, we flesh. Let's not, we're all flesh is as grass. Mm-hmm. All right, we all got to eat, all got to sleep, mm-hmm. all got to work, all got to move around, all got to poop. Come on. So where's this elitism coming from? It's in your own mind. And so God just lets me know, uh-uh, they don't. So when people, I've had people, you know, remember a woman who told me she had to leave me because she couldn't get fed here? Oh, oh yeah. You need to stop. <laughs> exactly. 
I said, if you can't get fed here, baby, then so God, you doesn't want, you, God wants you malnourished. <laughs> <laughs> you know? If you can't get fed here. Are you that, that was the eternal cricket. And everybody was. I mean, that's not anything you say. I said, okay. Well, and I, 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 first of all, I don't have all of those kind of stupid discussions because my attitude is if, if you are supposed to go, just go in peace. Just go in peace. I just send you your little release. Just go in peace. But you have to ask God. You have to ask God. And stop letting people tell you how the Christian church is so bad. Nobody wants to be that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. This man is still clocking billions of people. Yes. And they're mad with you. This, Jesus is not going down, and his church is rising high. I don't care what anybody says. And if you feel like you, before you get in the church, you need to find out type of church God puts you in or built you for. Because not every church is for everybody. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. I am not for everybody. I'm not offended. I promise you. I told you I'm called the giants. I'm called to the elite. I'm calling to the higher powers. I'm calling to superheroes. Just ask me what I'm called to. Yeah, I want some superheroes. You don't have to watch. It's not going to be long. You don't watch. And so I'm called for that. And I don't apologize. Now, if you're called for the community thing, I'm going to pray. But see, we're the keepers. We're the guardian force. You see, understand that? We're the high guard, and I know that. So if you don't like high stuff, I'm probably not going to be the place for you. Love you. Hey, come to the events. Come to the meetings. I'm going to lay hands on you, greet you up. But I'm going to send you to a pastor that you can grow under. Because you can't. Not everybody can grow everywhere. And some people need playful churches because they play for Christians. Well, God got playful pastors for that. Then go to a playful church and play. And play to get tired of it. Some people go to churches. They need people. They need musical churches. That's fine. He has a pastor for everyone. But you don't have to demean and disparage everything because you have not found yours or you want to go and change the church. Most people, because you don't respect Jesus Christ, you want to come in and change the church because you think yeah. you were all stupid until you got there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, help us. What you need to do is Mm-mm. do it now. Okay. And how are you bringing that with you? Where did you get it from? Yeah. Uh, well, do you want me to make some announcements before? Because I have a couple of special things for the audience today give regarding some, the event. Okay, give me some special stuff, and then give me one or two of these things. Okay. Um, well, we were talking. We talked uh, last week or the week before last. When we were last on the air, we had opened up the top ten for Paul Price Show listeners could go for the special price seventy five. We have five more spots left, and all you need to do is visit us online at drpaulaprice.com, click events, and then when you go to register, you're going to see Paul Price Show top ten. Listen, there are only five more spots left. You can go for seventy five dollars to this event. So if you were listening today and you were saying, I have got to be there, this is the best price out there right now. Um, so again, Paul Price Show Top 10, there are five spots left. Once they're gone, they're gone. So if you go on and it doesn't let you register under that option, it means those spots are gone. So you want to take advantage of that right now, drpaulaaprice.com. You're basically being able to go for the group rate, all right? So this is our Paul Price Show Top 10. Five of them, five of the spots are already taken. You need to make sure that you go online, register under that deal right now. You'll see it, Paul Price Show Top 10, only five spots left, and once they're gone, they're gone. So make sure you check that out. So I want to tell you guys that. And then the driver's discount, we went live on PPM Global um, two weeks ago to talk about the driver's discount, 20% if you're driving to the event, if you're driving in. But listen, if you've already gotten your ticket under buy one, get one, or one of the other deals, that's actually a bigger discount than driver's. So this is for those 
who haven't got their ticket yet, and we're at the registration. The standard registration right now is 125, so you can get 20% off the 125 mm -hmm. if you're driving in for the event. We need to send you a special code for that. So you need to send us your contact information, let us know where you're driving in from and the day that you're expected to get in, and we'll send you a driver's discount code. But again, if you registered one of, uh, under one of our earlier um, rates, then that's a bigger discount than drivers. So if you haven't got registration yet, take advantage of driver's discount. Email us at admin at .com. We want to get you there for this event. So please do that for us for this event. It's coming up sooner than you can think, sooner than you think. It's just a couple weeks away, June 20th. So those two, <laughs> so those two discounts, we want to make sure that you guys are aware of that at drpaulaaprice.com. We're driving. <laughs> So maybe we need to say if you're driving in around the Tulsa area, we're probably not gonna give you the twenty cents. <laughs> yes, out of the area, out of state. Out, out of state, state drivers. Yeah, yes, we out need of to state drivers. That clear. You know, if I, but if you're coming to us from OKC, we will give you that. If you're gonna drive in from OKC, we wanna we wanna give that to you as well. All right. Um, she she talked about so many things. We talked about so many things. Um, yes. Okay. Well, you talked about profits being trained by other. That's that's the profits being trained by other officers piece. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that we have to talk about more. Where these profits are getting that training from, mm -hmm. which is what makes our program so unique at Price University. We have a whole staff of apostles and prophets. So you're learning about oh. the prophetic from prophets. And you're learning about apostleship from apostles. Imagine that, you know, so you're learning from the mantles that are actually doing that job. Mm -hmm. So important, it's not trying to snub anybody, but it's important. Mm -hmm. um, just mm -hmm. why we learn, doc we learn medicine from doctors. Yeah. You know, when you're doing surgery training or training to be a surgeon, you're learning from other surgeons. So mm -hmm. it is important that you're learning from people who are doing your craft. I thought that was so important. Mm -hmm. um, How about that? You like that? <laughs> yes. Oh, you talked about okay, that. <laughs> yes, that that piece actually was really important when you talked about Saul. I think you answered some questions today. Why? Why Saul? Why did God use Saul? I love how you talked about the fact that he let evil go first, and yes. and yes. that he. Um, he was not willing to overlook the wickedness of the people and how wicked they had become mm -hmm. and had given them a wicked leader. You talked about when, when we were first dealing with the election of Trump, you said something that I never forgot. And when I have conversations with people about this particular issue, you said we don't deserve good leadership. Mm -hmm. We don't deserve quality leaders right now. Mm -hmm. We have to roll with what God has given us as a nation. And I thought that was really important mm -hmm. to that discussion. Um, and uh, this issue that we see with Saul, you know, God putting an immature leader in front of them, God putting, you talked about mm -hmm. the fact that he he was a wicked man over wicked people. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> and that God was not willing to give them his best. I think we just you you start conversations on this show that we do not think about with God. You know, we think of God right. as that parent that just kind of loves you no matter what and um, just really, really wants the best for you and, you know, and we'll, and we'll let a lot of things slide and we don't think that he'll ever come to collect mm -hmm. on our behavior or, or on our conduct. And so that, that, I thought that was very good. God mm -hmm. lets evil go first. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was powerful. So many things. Mm -hmm. Oh, lastly, okay. You talked about how it only takes one calamity for transition. Mm -hmm. That was good. Mm -hmm. You like that? Yeah. That was good. <laughs> you like that? Man. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about, um, when we talk about how God is and the whole parenting thing, um, the one thing that always irks me is that parenting, your children have no right to steal or change your identity. 
or pervert your character, which is what parenting is all about. If your children can intimidate you, you're not a parent. You just had you just had kids, so you're just a biological producer. Because parents exist to mold their children, not the other way around. And if a child is going to mold you, they're going, that child will mold you based mold you based on culture, based on their what they like, their juvenile ways, their underdeveloped thoughts, their underdeveloped preferences, likes and dislikes, etc. Your child should not mold you. And that's part of what Satan push, is pushing today. The children tell you when you should date. The children tell you right. how you should date and mate. The children tell you what you should wear. The chil- I'm sorry. I just don't think that by virtue of having my genes, you have my genius. And there is a difference. So I, I love bringing up the speed. Keep me alert. My, are you kidding? My church is like that. I'm like, okay, wow, that's cool. No. We're not doing, no, that is not God. I don't care what you say. But you, if you do that in your natural life, if your children hold that place and have that kind of sway in your parenting, then you're going to project that onto the Lord. And you're going to feel or be taught, I understand, you're going to be taught that God's love makes him weak, wimpy, indulgent, senseless, and foolish. Those are all curses on Adam for his fall. So his love would have that. You cannot compare God's eternal love, his divine love, with mortal sensations and expressions or affectations. Cannot. The two are very different. What God loves, you can't even begin to break the seal on our mortal, dark, doomed minds and the darkness in our hearts. So you can, we, you know, he allows us to do all of those anthropomorphic, you know, kind of anthropomorphic, what do you call anthropomorphic things where we ascribe human, but you're, you're, descri- you're ascribing a fallen humanity hmm. to an exalted God, and that can't work. And God tolerates it because he allows us to do it, that we can convey something of his love this way. But it doesn't doesn't define this. Mm -hmm. God's love is way beyond anything you can imagine. And the first thing you need to know about God's love is that God loves God first. Because if he hates himself, then he will hate you. So God loves God first and foremost. The second thing you need to know is God loves his firstborn, his first begotten son. He loves his Holy Spirit, which means the Godhead loves itself first, because otherwise they won't have a reserve of love to pass on to us. You know, Romans 5, God shed his love abroad in our hearts. But you need to stop imposing mortality, frailty, darkness, devilishness, etc., on God's love. Those cannot define the love of the Almighty because God's love that made him not kill us in the garden because he, all, he could have ended his own issue by killing Adam. He could have stopped Satan right in his tracks by just simply killing Adam and Eve. But there was something in there that went beyond love. And we need to talk about that. Maybe that was just some of the round table. 
you all you listen to all of this stupid music talking about he oh, he chased me down and he ran me over and he flipped me in the air because he loved me so much. That's the stupidest stuff I ever heard in my life. Are you kidding? I have children that, that didn't want to be bothered with me and I did not chase them down and I still love them. But I didn't chase them because I felt like they needed to come to their senses. You need to stop letting blind, immature people and teenage, 20-somethings can't tell you something about love, especially if you ain't never had a kid. You never had anything. You have to understand that you, and you don't know love until you've lost it and lost everything, and then it returns to you a mess, a disgusting mess. And you don't see the mess. You see past the mess. You see past all of the brokenheartedness that you suffer, all of the disappointments that you suffer. You see past all of that and say, but that's not. And you receive it, not on the ground of its mess. You receive it on the basis of it having come from you, having been chosen by you. We don't teach this thing right. We teach that everything is about the seeker's love. That's all of the seeker-friendly songs. Well, the seeker thing, and God's seeking you. God knows where you are. If he doesn't know where you are, he's not God. He knows where you are physically. He knows your address. He knows your gene code. He knows your channel. He knows your voice code. He knows your voice print. He knows your voice pattern. He knows your sin. He knows your heart. He knows all of that. And we need to stop telling people that God is weakened by his love for us. Because the only time he got weakened by his love for us is when he put Jesus on the cross. And the Bible said we will know him thus no more. We will never know that kind of God. We'll never know that weakness of God again, ever. And all of that, y'all need to know those are them seeker-friendly tunes where people are trying to make a record, trying to cut a record to folk who don't know God. Because I'm going to tell you, if God is weakened by his love for us, he can't pull us up out of our sin. He can't bring us back from the dead. He can't raise us up if he is weakened by his love for us. And, he is, and if he allows us to turn him into something else, he is not God. That's what holy means. Holy means you can't change him. You can't convert him. You cannot do his thinking for him. You cannot alter the way he does anything. Holy means untouchable, impervious to sin. Sin can't seduce God. So all of that kind of stuff, because you all got all that crazy stuff going on, and I'm like, what? What? Are you kidding me? There are times that parents won't go for their kids because they need their kids to want to come to them in order for that relationship to be redemptive or redeemed. You got a kid that's an alcoholic. You got a kid that's a drug. You got a daughter that's promiscuous. She can't get off the pole. You can't change that. So you're supposed to drop down to her level. Here's your drug addict's level, the thief's level, the criminal's level. No, you don't. You love them, and you let life lead them, and life teach them. And when they learn, they come willingly, and they come sorrowfully. All of this other stuff we're talking about, you never hear those people talk about they repent. You never hear them talk about they sorry. You never hear them talk about how they have done God. You never hear them talk about how they offended him, how they affronted his righteousness. They always talk about how weak God got for them. Now, you know that's got to be a devil. You know that's got to be a... See, you think Christianity is not laced with demonics, and that's our problem. Devils are always trying to upstage the Holy Ghost or pervert him 
in people's minds. And we think perversion just means immoral, but perversion also means, it also means a false version for him so that you will serve them thinking you're serving him. My time's up. I think that's a good place to begin or end. I will see you Sunday. The Scripture Organic, Cultural Modified Christianity. Don't forget to go to YouTube to watch Taking It On with Paula Price and a whole bunch of other stuff. Listen, watch my Facebook for uh, Prophet Ashley to put up where I am on iHeartRadio. And just keep watching because we're getting a lot of folks doing a lot of things. And on top of it all, don't forget, so, so to Dr. Christ, so to Taking It On, so to what we're doing. Because Covenants are made by currency. I don't care what. You won't have a covenant without currency. And by all means, drpaulaprice.com to register for Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute 2018. I love you. And I really love you, love you, love you. God bless. Have a great day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.